You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. I've been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. If you've tuned into this podcast before, you will be well aware of how we learned about who we think we are when we were young and impressionable. We talked quite recently about how we are born with only a certain number of presets. I mentioned face recognition being one of them the last time we talked about it and how largely we are a blank slate on which is written the apparent facts and truths about who we are. We talked a couple of weeks ago, or perhaps it was last week, when I'm living in the moment, I lose track of time, but we certainly talked recently about how we start this learning three months before we are born. And on many, many occasions, throughout many, many episodes over the last nearly two years at this stage, I have talked about how the third year of our lives is a crucial year of our lives. Up to the age of two, we labor under the, actually, we don't labor at all. You know that we have a ball. Up to the age of two, we have a ball thinking that we are the center of attention and the center of the universe. We actually think at that stage that everybody sees the world through our eyes. We actually think that everybody shares the same perspectives that we have. Now, perspective is obviously a big word for a a two-year-old. That everybody thinks the way we do. That everybody likes what we like and everybody dislikes what we don't like. And everybody is there to serve us. Then along comes our second birthday. And it gives rise to something that is certainly known in Ireland, and I think the UK as well as the terrible twos, where we start acting up, acting out, misbehaving, throwing our toys out of the pram. Of course, we're well out of the pram at that stage, but you know what I mean. And that's because we've suddenly realized that we're not the center of the universe, that nobody shares the same perspective as we do, because everybody has their own perspective, flawed and all as they are, but everybody does have their own perspective. We begin to understand that not being the center of attention, I'm going to have to work at getting what I want today, getting what I want out of life. I'm going to have to work at it. Now, obviously, as a two-year-old, I can't see any further than the end of today. I might be told we're going on holidays in a few weeks time, but I can't get my head around it for the simple reason that a two-year-old is only in the here and now. So what a two-year-old begins to learn, and this goes on during the whole third year of our lives, is how I can behave now or often misbehave now to get what I want now. And therefore, During the third year of our lives, we learn what psychology, what developmental psychology calls theory of mind. I realize that I have my own mind that's different from everybody else's mind. Everybody else has their own individual mind. And in order for me to get what I want now, there has to be in some way a meeting of minds. And I have to work 
at bringing about that meeting of minds. So therefore, during the third year of my life, particularly in the midst of my peers, people of the same age, I will learn how to communicate, communicate effectively to get what I want. I will learn how to collaborate if it helps me get what I want. I will learn how to negotiate my way around other people's minds, again, to get what I want. And I will learn how to manipulate other people to get what I want. These are what might be described as the four eights. Collaborate, communicate, negotiate, and manipulate. This is what I learned during the third year of my life. It's what we all learned during the third year of our lives. And in that process, we learned our strengths and our weaknesses. We took on board what other people did for us, but most importantly and most pointedly, and leaving the longest and biggest and deepest impression, we took on board what people did to us. We are designed, as we've said before, to look at the worst of things rather than the best of things. There's an evolutionary reason for that. It's simply a survival mechanism. But in the process, we learned during the third year of our lives how we think the world works, not how the world actually works, but how we think the world works as a result of our experiences and what was done to us during that third year of our lives. And more importantly, we learn about how we work, who we are, how I am good at some things, how I am not good at other things, and fundamentally, as we said in a recent episode, how I am flawed. And obviously, during the third year of our lives, we had none of the evaluative talents that we think we gain as adults so that we could understand what was going on. No, we just took it all on board. The old expression that children soak up things like sponges is spot on. We took it all on board. Good, bad and indifferent, but mainly bad. And then around the age of three, we were effectively a done deal in relation to the fundamentals of who I think I am. Now, this is important. People will say to you, but hold on, you continue on your developmental trajectory, possibly all of your life. And obviously, if you didn't, we wouldn't be talking. But in old child psychology, as it was called at the time before it was rebranded as developmental psychology, there was a belief that you were still learning up to the age of 12 or 13. Now, what actually was the case was that we learned between the age of our third birthday up to 12 or 13, on top of the fundamentals that we had already learned, and, and we filtered everything that we learned during the post-third birthday era up to the age of 12 or 13, we filtered everything through the fundamentals of who we thought we were. So we never learned anything fundamentally new about ourselves after the age of three. After the age of 12 or 13, we learned nothing new about ourselves at all because the mind basically shut down. And all the teenage angst that you read about in relation to teenagers trying to figure out who they are, that's not the case. The teenage angst comes from them trying to remake themselves so they fit in with other people. They're fighting a losing battle because they were made in their own mind by the age of three. Now, I'm coming to a particular point in relation to this, obviously, because most of the people with whom I work 
we'll get this grounding in terms of what we're talking about here in relation to how our personalities or conceptual selves are formed during the third year of our lives. But initially, in the initial conversations that I have particularly with one-to-one -one clients, they want to understand what happened them in those formative years that have made them feel stuck or made them feel inadequate or made them feel anxious or nervous or fearful or all the stuff that leads to the stress that slowly kills people in their adult years. They want to know what made them who they thought they were. And as I say to them, first of all, the past is a foreign land. As human beings, we only need forward gears. We're not like a car with a reverse gear. We don't need to go backwards. And I'll explain why in a minute. But even more than that, even if we had a reverse gear, we would not be able to go back beyond the watershed of our third birthday. Because once our developmental trajectory has provided us with the fundamentals of who we think we are, we need to protect that. It is a fundamental self-defense mechanism that we all have that effectively the shutters come down in or around our third birthday. And all of us subsequently suffer from a phenomenon which is known in developmental psychology as childhood amnesia. You can understand, if you look at it like this, why you wouldn't want to go back in there and meddle with who you thought you were, because if you could, so could other people. And indeed, that is what happens under hypnotherapy. And obviously, one needs to be careful in the use of hypnotherapy as a result of that. Don't need to go into the hypnotherapy bit because it's unimportant in relation to the key message in today's or this week's episode. The first important message, if you like, in this week's episode is that you can't go back beyond that watershed of three years of age. Secondly, however, and much more importantly, there is no point. As I said a moment ago, life is only moving in one direction. It is moving from the past, which is past, through the present, off into a future that hasn't happened yet. And we know from a psychological perspective, from the perspective of neuroscience, and from the cutting edge sciences in the quantum realm, that life only exists, reality only exists, you and I only exist in the here and now. I was gonna say, if that is the case, they are scientific facts. It is the case that life only exists in the here and now. It is the case that you only are you in the here and now. It is the case that Mont Blanc, which is sitting shimmering in the sunlight outside my window here, is only Mont Blanc in this here and now. Everything is vibrating in and out of existence as we speak. That being the case, the only thing you need to do to live your life to the full, I'll explain what I mean by that in a minute, is to turn up to the here and now. That is why, because I said a minute ago that I'd explain this, that is why you don't need to go back to 
the formative years. You don't need to understand, and indeed there are dangers in attempting to understand. I've mentioned hypnotherapy earlier on, and obviously there are clearly dangers in that. But there are many cases over the years where psychologists and psychiatrists brought people back to their childhood and effectively, for what reason, investigation never really discovered, implanted false memories of, in particular, child abuse to people who had never been subject to abuse as children at all. So that goes back to the heart of the point that I was making earlier on. If you could get in and muddle or meddle with who you thought you were, thought being the operative word, with who you thought you were, other people could, and other people have. So we don't need to go back there. There are inherent dangers in going back there. But ultimately, the key thing is there is no need. All you have to do to discover or rediscover who you were and are before you learned those formative things that you learned about yourself during the third year of your life in particular, all you need to do is let them go. Now, it's actually even more passive than that. You don't even need to do that because these things drift away when we develop or redevelop our ability to be simply present in the moment. That is why when we meditate, all the things that create stress in our minds, bodies and lives dissipate. That is why when we meditate and come into the present moment, all is well. We don't have a care in the world. That is why as we meditate and train our minds to be present in the moment, as we restructure the fundamentals of our own neural pathways in our brain, and in particular in the subcortical brain, that is why we experience a different you and a different me. That is how we experience the reality of who we are, free from the stuff that we found necessary to learn, the four eights that I mentioned earlier on, during the third year of our lives, free of all the misgivings and misconceptions that we have been carrying around about ourselves during all of our adult life up to the time when we realize or self-realize, become aware or become self-aware that there is more to me and more to life than meets the eye. I said a moment ago that I would come back to what I meant by living your life to the full. It doesn't mean having everything that you want. The vast majority of people, and I mean 96% of people on this planet don't even know what they want. They think they know what they want. And those who actually, by setting their minds, attain or achieve what they thought they wanted, realize that that isn't what they wanted at all. Most people will never even get what they thought they wanted. But the fact of the matter is that living your life to the full does not mean having what you want. Living your life to the full means being joyful and carefree and childlike now. Living your life to the full means wanting what you already have if you have to bring want into it at all. 
More importantly, once through meditation, you begin to experience that which you really are, a fundamental part of the universe that is vibrating in and out of existence all of the time. Once you begin to experience that, you begin to understand that, as I said a minute ago, all is well in this moment. You have everything you need for your perfect life in this moment. Now, your normal mind will be looking forward to next week or the end of the month's bank balance and say, oh, that's not true. It actually is at this moment in time as you take this breath in and this breath out. Living your life to the full is a now thing. So, for example, somebody said to me a couple of months ago when I met her for the first time, oh, my God, I wasted the first 59 years of my life. And I said to her, you didn't waste anything because it's in the past. You're only present in the here and now. What matters is what you're doing in the here and now. She was one of the people who said to me, I need to go back and figure out what made me who I thought I was. And I said to her, as I've said to you in this episode, no, you don't. All you need to do is come in to the present moment in the here and now. The past is a foreign land. There isn't even a one-way take it back to the past. There is no point trying to understand the past or remake the past because it isn't now. In exactly the same way, there is no point in pouring your energy into worrying about what you don't want to happen in the future because it isn't now. If you turn or when you turn up to the here and now, when you begin to experience who you actually are, you begin to experience, first of all, the reality of living life to the full in this moment. But you also begin to realize that through living life to the full in this moment, you create a different trajectory for the life to come. Now, armed with the power of your own subconscious mind, now armed with the power of who you really are, free from the thoughts that you only thought were holding you back, but because you thought they were holding you back, they actually were, free of all that, you are empowered right now to do exactly what you need to do to live the next now to the full and to set out as a result of living each now to the full a string of nows that move you forward not to what you want but it's much better than that what is actually best for you if you think you know what you want right now if you think what your goals and objectives are then you've sold yourself short because you only think you know what you want or what your goals and objectives are. And even if you have been listening to this podcast for ages at this stage, or, or even if you're an online program owner, it is exceedingly difficult to imagine what is best for you, shackled as we all once were by the thoughts that held us back, habituated by those thoughts to think in terms of what normal happiness and success, and dare I use the word joy, 
would actually look and feel like. It's beyond our imagination. There is no point in you saying to yourself, I really want this, that or the other, or I want to achieve this, that or the other. What you need to do is, <laughs> there's a hint in the title of this podcast, what you need to do is just let go. Just letting go means so many things. It means letting go of the thoughts that have been getting in your own way. Letting go means letting the person that you thought you were dissipate, evaporate. Letting go means letting go of everything you thought you knew about what happiness and success actually could be for you. Now, some people will say to me, but hold on, I'm now actually just floating in flow. And that could mean that for the rest of my life, I will be hugging a tree and moving nowhere. Believe you me, I know some people like that. But what I'm suggesting is the exact opposite of that, because letting go is all about taking action. It is not about taking the actions that you might have on your normal to-do list. It is not about taking the actions that you might be fearful of taking in relation to moving your life forward. But I'm talking about letting go of all of that. Letting go means letting the inner you inform you of what you need to do today. Inform you of what opportunities you need to notice today. When you notice opportunities that way, we call them synchronicities. We've talked about that a couple of episodes ago. These are the signposts or the breadcrumbs along your journey that will lead you to the journey that is best for you. When you let go, you let go of everything that is holding you back, everything you thought you knew about you or anything. But most importantly, when you let go, you actually discover there is a you that was lurking just below the surface, concealed or hidden by the thought world of your own thoughts, not anybody else's thoughts, your own thoughts. This is all internal. Hidden just below the thought world of the 70,000 thoughts in your own head. When you let go, you draw back the veil. Actually, you don't even do that. The veil dissipates too, because you realize the veil was only a figment of the 70,000 thoughts that were swirling in your head every day that divorced you from who you really are. But who you really are has been lurking there all the time. I often call it with some of the people with whom I work, the flame within. It's burning brightly inside you, and it's always been burning brightly inside you. And believe you me, you fire in your belly as I speak in this moment. It may not feel like that. You may have almost given up on, on life itself. You may certainly have given up on your goals and objectives or given up on the idea that you could live a life that is carefree, live a life that is full of joy and peace of mind. You may have given up on all of that, but you would only have given up on it because you thought so. You thought otherwise. We need to stop thinking and we need to start living. You know where I'm going with this because I've been here so many times before. And it pains me at times to 
get emails from people who are saying, oh, I started meditating, but I'm not disciplined enough. Or I started meditating and it doesn't work for me. You know, as I say to people like that, if you can breathe, you can meditate. I started meditating, but I didn't see the benefits. They didn't see the benefits the following day or the day after. This is, I was going to say a slow burn. It is for some people. It's a rocket-fueled takeoff for other people. Horses for courses. Every individual is different. But the one key thing I know is that once you meditate, even once, the structures in your brain begin to change. And even though people may not see the immediate benefits as in immediate today, I know from the most recent research that even after five days, the structure of people's brains who are meditating is different from the structure of people's brains who don't meditate. We need to turn up to our own lives and the training for that is meditation because meditation enables you see, feel, hear, smell, and taste where you actually are. Through your five senses, begin to experience who you actually are. By using our five senses, begin to enlighten you through the appearance that was just under the veil of your sixth sense, your gut instinct, your intuition. The person to which I have referred before as the person who knows. The person who knows what is best for you. The person who knows what you need to do least effortfully to achieve what is best for you. The person who knows the direct line from where you might think you're stuck at the moment to the joy of being carefree, of living your life to the full and experiencing the peace of mind that so many people, probably all of the people with whom I've worked over the years, have experienced. There's one particular girl with whom I started working last year. She's a program owner and we had a couple of one-to-one -one sessions as well. And on a recent Zoom call, she said to the group that if anybody had told her 12 months ago that she would still be sitting in the same place, doing largely the same thing, but experiencing absolute joy and peace of mind. She would have told them that if you can give me that, I'll give you 10 million euros, I think it was, she said. Don't know whether it was dollars or euros or pounds. And as I said to her, clearly I undercharged you for my services. But the fact of the matter is that the joy she is experiencing came like all joy from within. Everything that is happening in your life is coming from within. Everything that appears outwardly in your life has been created by what is going on inside. Most people don't know that. Most people don't know that the thoughts that they are thinking automatically every day are creating their version of hell every day. Most people don't realize that if I turned my attention from those thoughts to seeing, feeling, hearing, smelling, and tasting what I am experiencing now, I would realize there is no hell. There is only the wonder and joy, clarity, carefreeness and peace of mind of the here and now and, and all the good things that go with that. 
all the good things to which you are entitled. All the good things that the real you doesn't just deserve, but he or she knows you deserve it. Just let go and let it happen. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit www.willie-horton.com.